Well, good morning. That uplifting moment was brought to you by LifePoint Church. So glad that you're here. My name's Austin. It's good to be a part uh, this morning. Uh, we continue on in a series that we've called Netflixmas. We're really looking at some of our favorite Christmas movies and, and asking a simple question. Could it be that we watch the same movies this time of year again and again and again because housed within them would be an echo of a greater story, a story that our hearts know we have been written into long before time existed. One of the things I love about uh, this particular movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is it really does kind of echo the ups and downs of how life plays out. We, we love to watch the Christmas movies sometimes where everything is pretty and nice and funny. Elf is my favorite movie for a reason. But the truth is, as we watch this movie, what we see is, is the reality of existence, that, that George loses $8,000. He's terrified. He might go to jail. It might be scandal. It's a huge deal. And sometimes life feels a little bit like that, doesn't it? And so in the middle of a life where the things that we hope for, sometimes they work out, and, and other times the conditions of our life leaves us feeling hopeless, is there a way to hold on to hope? Is there a way that we can have hope and certainty and hope this morning? Is it even possible to keep? I had a little bit of a crisis of hope in my own life. Uh, first major crisis I think I ever had at the, the ripe age of four years old. Um, my mom and dad told me at some point that, that AJ was coming. AJ uh, was my brother. I was not fully aware of that at the time. And they told me, Austin, AJ's coming. And, you know, I would sit with my mom for nine months and I would talk to AJ. And, and the more mom looked like AJ was coming, the more I would talk to him and I would whisper to her belly and talk and we would just go on and on. And I was ecstatic that AJ was coming to the house. And uh, eventually it, it went down. Dad shows up at the babysitter's house and he comes to pick me up and he says, Austin, I've got great news. AJ is here. And then things got weird. I looked at my dad and I asked him a question I'm not certain that he was prepared for. I said, Dad, what color is he? And my parents both looked the same. And so he was a little puzzled and looked back at his four-year-old son and he said, well, uh, Austin, he looks like you and I. He's like your mom and I. He's your brother. At which point things unraveled very quickly. I threw everything out of my hands. I laid on the ground. I threw a fit. And I said, brother, I thought we were having a puppy. <laughs> no joke. Never been the brightest one in my family. <laughs> Maybe your life's like that. Sometimes we get what we hope for. And sometimes, even at the age of four, we have those moments of crisis where we don't. One of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older, as life has gone on, I'm sure you've experienced it too, is that the older that we get, the more grounded in reality our hopes become. And really in doing so, the more weight they carry, the more impact they have on our lives, you likely came in hoping for things. We all hope for different things. Some of us are hoping for enough money just to get through the month and survive Christmas. Some of us are hoping for a raise. Others of us hope that our kids will finally make some wise decisions. Maybe you got that family member that, that everyone's prayed for, that everyone hopes they would just get some help. Maybe this would be the year that they would get sober. And sometimes, 
Let's not be pessimists here. Sometimes we get what we hope for. We get the raise, the kids get A's, and the new year rolls around brighter than the one before. But sometimes hope can seem to just slip through our hands. Maybe you're like George and you lose out on money or that loved one starts drinking again. Someone else gets the raise or the kids' lives, despite all of your investment and all of your advice and all of your prayers, continue to go towards a dangerous path. And the danger, here's what I want to present us with this morning, the danger in hanging our hopes on the circumstances around us and looking and going, you know what, I'll be hopeful when things go my way and hopeless when things don't is that eventually we can wind up being some pretty skeptical, cynical people. It doesn't take very long to be there that we become hopeless men and women. And when it comes to God, here's, here's the temptation at times, is to look at the things that we've hoped for, to look at the things that have worked out and the things that don't, and then to make an assumption about God and really what we say to him without knowing at times is you're just like those things. I can't count on you. I can't believe in you. I can't hope because I never really know what's coming next. So this morning, here's what we're going to talk about. In the middle of a season where all the hype is about hope, we put on our green and red sweaters and we go to the parties and we talk about what next year will be. In the middle of a season, that's all about hope. Is there a way that we can hold on to real hope? And so I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We have Bibles made available for you. We've got ushers that will come down uh, right now. If you don't have a Bible, take one, keep it. We'd love for you to take that home with you. Um, Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 27, we'll read together. You can read on the screen as well. This is a story that we pick up on. Jesus has just been born, and his parents are now taking him to be dedicated Here's what it says. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of God of your people, Israel. Now, in this brief paragraph, this kind of glimpse we get into the life of Simeon, we see a man who is more hopeful than probably any of us have ever been. I mean, Simeon makes some pretty bold statements here. He says that because of this child that he has seen and held, everything is gonna be different. And as he looks at the future, not only of his city or his nation, but the world, He says that things are looking so good that I don't even mind if you go ahead and let me die. I don't need to be around. I don't have to have my hand in the mess. I I can go and die in peace because of the hope that I've experienced today. And he basically looks at at the future and says it's all going to be okay. You know, call Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. Everything is fine. And here's where, like as a pastor, when I get to heaven and me and God are going to talk and I'm going to ask him, like, could you not have just stopped right there? I mean, we'd all go home, have early lunch, but Simeon keeps talking. And this is what Simeon says. It complicates the matter. It says this, that Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. 
And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, see if you want this said about your kid, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Here's some encouragement. And a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, these don't seem like the words of a hopeful man. I mean, if, if he's so hopeful that the world can go on without him and he can die in peace and turns around and says this, something has to be going on. I mean, how can he say all that he said and then turn around and say, many will fall, he'll be opposed, he'll reveal people's secrets and a sword, mom, will pierce your soul. This is not between the pages of, you know, like the power of positive thinking, right? It's not in there. So how can he say all of this and still hold on to hope in the very same story? I want to suggest to you this morning is this, that, that he may see hope a little differently than you and I do. That as Simeon looks in at hope, he may operate with a very different definition. See, if you look in the dictionary, hope is defined in two ways. There's hope as a noun and there's hope as a verb. The first option is this, we can use in our own lives hope as a verb. Hope as a verb may sound something like this, I hope this sermon will end soon. Maybe you're hoping for that. Pastor Secret, sometimes we're hoping for that. Don't tell Donnie. Hope as a verb is by default defined by uncertainty. Hope is a verb. It really it goes about the business of saying, I have an equal likelihood that what I hope for will not work out as it will work out. Hope as a verb is never really something that we can take to the bank or count on. And where it becomes really problematic comes down to our relationship with God. Sometimes in using hope as a verb, we begin to define God by the circumstances around us. Hope as a verb may sound like this. You'll see it up here. As long as there's a future I can hope for, I can find hope in God. It's kind of a circumstantial view of who God is. As long as things are going well, as long as the path is going up, as long as tomorrow looks brighter than today, then I must serve a good God. Ultimately, hope becomes something that we do and inevitably stop doing. And sooner or later, we operate with the assumption that we will no longer be able to hope. We get the raise and the test results are good or state goes to the bowl game and God is a good God. But if the bills pile up and the kids are a mess and we don't make it to the finals, God must be a terrible God. This is the outcome of using hope as a verb as it relates to God, and it'll always provide temporary and frequent hope with a trajectory for inevitable hopelessness. But I want to suggest to us this morning that perhaps this is not the kind of hope that Simeon was using. This is not the way that he saw hope. Instead, I think Simeon used hope as a noun. Hope as a noun, if lunch is on the agenda for you today, hope as a noun would sound like this, lunch 
is our only hope of getting out of here. It looks at something that is concrete and it says, you know, to the future, this concrete thing will now define all of the variables in life. You may be sitting there right now going sooner or later that dude's getting hungry and he may drone on and on and on, but lunch will win out. And so my hope now is lunch. We're getting out of here. Hope is a noun leverages what is certain to define the very things around it that are uncertain. It's kind of like that week before you go on vacation. Anybody been there? It happens without fail. If, you, if you're ready to go on vacation, everything at work will fall apart. Everyone will have a crisis. People will call in sick. Things are going to be you know, falling apart. And, and, and in that week, there's something magical that happens. The building can burn down around you. But you kind of get that look in your eyes. You've seen that coworker who's going on vacation. Doesn't matter because it may be falling apart today, but by Saturday, it's palm trees and sunscreen, right? You know something good, concrete. I can hold on to it. Hope as a noun in that setting becomes vacation. This is the kind of hope, bigger and better than palm trees, that Simeon saw as he held this child in his arms. See, when hope is used as a noun, we define the uncertainty in life by the unchanging hope that we find in Jesus. I challenge you to write this down. If you're a note taker, this is for you. Here's how hope as a noun is used when it relates to God. This is how you would say it. As long as there's a God that I can hope in, there is a future I can hope for. As long as there is a God that I can hope in, there's a future I can hope for. See, when God defines the hope that we hold, it doesn't matter what comes or what may pass or what rises and what goes well or what falls apart in between. Our hope is not rooted in circumstance. Our hope is rooted in Jesus. And this is how Simeon did it. This is how he was able to go, you know what, mom, as you look at the future of this child, there are going to be a lot of people that like him, but a ton of people that hate him. And there's going to be some great things that he does, but it's going to break your heart in the end. And there'll be dark opposition. It's the way that he could look at all of those things, and yet at the same time, at the very same time, here's what he said. Check it out again in Luke. He says this, I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. He could say that because more than any of us ever had, Simeon held hope in his hands. He knew the outcome of his life. He knew he would be given as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. He knew that because of this child's life, because of the sacrifice made by him, that no matter what could come or what would fall apart, we have hope. Hope that does not change. Hope that is not a dream. Hope that's not a fairy tale. Hope founded and purchased for us. It's how he could say things like many will fall and still know that he would save us from it. That there would be dark opposition, but through that dark opposition, there would be light in dark places, that there would be pain, but God's promise would be through Jesus to turn it into glory. See, Ashley's grandma, my, my wife's grandmother, she's one of those people that has taught me an incredible amount about real hope. Um, a, a few months ago, I was out at their house, and Ashley's grandma's in her early 90s, and she doesn't get along, around very fast, and matter of fact, if she goes anywhere, she has to go with a walker now, 
And she used to be pretty tall, but now she's the shortest person in the room and she's kind of bent over. And she can't stay at home alone anymore. She has to stay one month with one son and another month with the other son. And she goes back and forth and back and forth while the home she raised her family in sits empty. And most of us would look at Maxine and we go, you know what, you got every right to be hopeless. The things that you were confident in, the things that most of us hope for and take for granted, most of those things are gone for her now. And as we visited for Thanksgiving, we all sat around the table as they do in Ashley's family every year, and they began to share the things that they were thankful for, and it came to Maxine. Maxine blew me away. When the 90-year-old in the room speaks, you listen. And she said, I want to thank you, and I want to thank God for an incredible family. I have two sons who follow the Lord, and I can be confident in that. I've got great-grandsons and granddaughters that have followed the Lord, and there's a lot of confidence in that. The Lord has given me a long and great life. And then she caught me. She said, I'm ready to go see him. And I may live another week, or I may live another few years, but whenever God wants to take me, I want to go see my Savior. I remember sitting there thinking, at at 33 years old, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. That Maxine had such immense hope in her Savior, immense hope in Jesus, that even looking and knowing life was infinitely shorter than the life that she had already lived, what would come much shorter than what had been. She was still optimistic, hopeful, and ready for what was on the other side. And this, this is the hope that you can't buy. This is hope that you don't have to work for. This is hope that does not change despite circumstances. This is hope as a noun. This is hope that we receive only through our Savior. And today, hope is available to you. See, Maxine knew what we've talked about this morning. As long as there's a God that I can hope in, doesn't matter what comes. As long as there's a God that I can hope in, there is a future I can hope for. It's the same thing that David tells us, Psalm 27, 13, in the middle of betrayal, his son's turning on him and, and being run out of the country, he, he pins these words, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This morning, I don't know what brought you in. And I don't know what things threaten your hope. I don't know what may have left you hopeless. I don't know, maybe you came in at the top of the world, but I wanna remind each of us here this morning that you have made available for you, purchased and paid in full through the person of Jesus, through God's son given for you, hope that will not fade, that will not wander, that will not walk away. Hope is yours through relationship with Jesus. And so I'm gonna close us out this morning and I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that over the next several weeks, you would be someone who experiences hope through God's son and gives hope to others through God's son. And maybe after we're done, you might need someone to talk to. Just know that I'll be hanging out up front. I'd love to pray with you if you got a need. Um, Let's pray and then we'll dismiss. God, thank you so much. We have hope that we can be assured of And while it cost us nothing, it cost you everything. So God, I pray for this church. I pray for those that have come in hopeless. 
that you would remind them that you're bigger than their circumstances, that you can redefine their circumstances, that there is a brighter future because there's a God who walks through it with us, that we have promises in you that extend far beyond this life. And God, I pray for those of us that have friends who are hopeless and we don't know what to say. I thank you that you promise us, Matthew 10, that when we come into those situations, you will give us those words. And God, I pray that you do it. Send your Holy Spirit to us. Don't leave us alone. Give us the wisdom we need. And God, give us the boldness to bring hope into hopeless places, to hopeless people. Lord, I pray that there would be a city radically different 12 months from now than it is today because you spread hope through this city because of a faithful church and a great Savior. So go with us as we leave. Be our hope. Be unchanging in the best of times. And in the worst of times, thank you. Amen.